there is no way you will successfully lead that change if you don't get on board with it and find positive things about it. And if you can't talk positively to your team, they're never going to get on board. So it's really important to keep on that game face all the time. And when there are people with doubts and they might be the same doubts you have just to counter it with a different positive piece of it because change is hard and even when it's a positive change that everyone should be able to get on board with it's not even all that much easier in my experience to implement that change because they still go through all the resistance right welcome to management development unlocked where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team and now your host eric gerard Welcome back to Management Development Unlocked. I'm really glad you're here. I have big news. My book, Lead Like a Pro, The Essential Guide for New Managers, launched yesterday, and it's already an Amazon number one bestseller and number one new release. You can get your copy at GerardTrainingSolutions.com or GTSPress.com. Please remember to support the show by subscribing, commenting, and sharing. Today, I am really pleased to have Christy Fredo with me. Christy, welcome to the show. You have an eclectic background. Who are you and what do you do? Well, first, congratulations on your book. So exciting. And thank you for having me. So let's see. After graduating from the University of Texas, I went to work in corporate America as a trainer and someone who developed training curriculum. After a few years doing that, I took a job as a manager in marketing. So moved over to marketing. And then a year and a half later, I got promoted to be a director in international marketing and was traveling quite a bit. And then I left that job to become an entrepreneur and bought a spa about 10 years ago and have been doing that ever since. Yeah. So to go from being a director to a spa owner must have been, <laughs> must have been a big change, like a big shock. Huge transition, completely different oh. environment, completely different way of managing people. Yeah, everything so different, but both great. I, I just, I just have this this image of the spas I've been in, where they've got the nice music and the fountain and things like that. And I'm like, that is nothing like corporate America that I grew up in. No, totally different. You get to dress casually, and just everything's different. Some people don't even have email that you work with. Or don't use email or read emails at all. I mean, it's a totally different world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I tied, <laughs> I'm tied to email. Well, good for you. Well, next time I'm, I'm in Dallas, I'll look you up. Okay. Sounds great. Cool. All right. So I want to start with a question about your background. You know, you've, you've touched on it, but go a little deeper into your background. So especially with the corporate America piece, what were you doing? What was that like? Uh, And then maybe tell us a little bit about your new role. Well, let's see. In training and development, I did a lot of curriculum design and writing of scripts for other people and made launch videos for different educational programs that were happening and then actually did stand-up training around the United States. And then when I, I guess I did that for about three years and then I got promoted to manager in marketing which was interesting because I was in a new department and a manager. So it was two completely new things and pretty early in my career after just three years or so of being an independent contributor. So that was quite the transition, but it was great and it was fun and I learned a lot. And in that role, we did a lot of product launches and product launch videos and those kinds of things, basic type, 
you know, forecasting of products, your basic marketing functions. And then when I got promoted to be a director, which was a role that I took on pretty soon, I was 28. So it was early in my career. I'd only been in management at all for a year and a half. And then I had about 70 people between straight line and dotted lines underneath me. So that was very daunting at first, I have to say. And then in that role, I took on some other areas of marketing, such as PR and advertising, more analysis, strategic planning, budget review, budget approval, all of those kinds of things. Okay. And then I actually ended up getting promoted again. And then I got the sales group too, which was a whole different ball game of a whole new group I didn't know anything about. So that was very interesting. Yeah. And you've got some deep experience in management. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I do. I love and, leadership. And that's that's where I wanna that's where I wanna go with this episode is is going down into your your experience in management and leadership, but with a twist because you focus on mindset, right? Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about how a new manager can create a positive mindset for themselves and their team, either in corporate America or in a spa. <laughs> well, maybe we'll go with corporate America for this one. I think the most important thing is that you you lead by example. You know, you're showing that you have work-life balance. You're showing that you have a focus on well-being and you're promoting that with your team. Because for them to have a positive mindset, they have to have some form of work-life balance or they're going to be unhappy. And if their personal life is unhappy, they're not going to perform well on the job and they're going to resent you. So I think that, you know, things like that, promoting any kind of wellness that you can promote, whether your company offers programs that you can encourage and incentivize within your team and all do together, or if you, you know, pull in your own, you know, meditations or whatever they are. I mean, things like that used to sound very woohoo, but now the CIA is using meditation, if you can imagine that, to help people have more focus and clarity who are doing the really important intelligence work. So I think that it's something that's becoming a little bit more mainstream and that you could actually promote within a corporate environment under a wellness initiative that would help significantly with mindset, stress, burnout, all of those things. I agree. I worked at a company in Silicon Valley. My last job in Silicon Valley, we actually had massages. You could have a 15-minute massage once a week. There was mind, mindfulness meditation. There was yoga. There was a gym membership. So there was a lot of emphasis on wellness at that company. The only problem was there was no time to take advantage of it, but, but it was there. You know, it was, yes. it, was, it, was, it was nice that it was there. So that was good stuff. And in my own life, in my own practice now, in my, in my business now, I meditate, I go to yoga, I take regular time off, I try to knock off. I'm, I'm usually away from my desk no later than five so I can spend time with my family. So that's, that's all really important stuff. That is very important stuff. And it's important stuff for leaders to model. You know, mm -hmm. like I remember a colleague of mine got a text from the CFO on Christmas Day one time asking about a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And so not only was it wrong that on Christmas Day, she got a text, but to imagine that the CFO is working, that's your expectation of me too. You know, that's mm -hmm. implied, right? That I would be working even on the holidays. So yeah. it's great that you're modeling that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I took a few days off over Labor Day and I told my team, I'm taking some mental health days. I don't expect you to do any work. I don't expect you to do anything. If you get an email from me on, on the vacation, if I can't help myself and I send you a note, I do not expect a response till Tuesday. 
like, take care of yourselves and I'll send you pictures of where I'm at. And I was at a beautiful log home on a, on a river and I was sending them pictures. It's like, I am chilling out. I'm seriously chilling out this weekend. So that was good. That's perfect. Yes. When I have really stressful days, I always say I need to go to a cabin in the woods and we have one that we rent. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. Same here. That's what we did. Nice. Well, moving on, you also talk about something called manifesting. So what is manifesting and how does it work and what's the benefit? There are a lot of components to manifesting. There is just simple visualization of the outcome that you want and how something will go. So for a new manager, for example, that could be as simple as if maybe they're nervous about leading meetings because they didn't lead a lot of meetings as individual contributors. Visualizing how that meeting's going to go. Visualizing a positive outcome. Visualizing themselves giving the presentation and people engaging and having positive feedback and that sort of thing before they go in. Visualization is so powerful. Even Michael Jordan uses it for every move that he's going to do on the court, every possible scenario. He visualizes all of them before he does them. He doesn't just visualize the outcome as a win. He visualizes all the, the moves, the tactical pieces. So that's a great way of manifesting that's very simple. It's also something that you can do as part of a meditation There are guided meditations for manifesting that you can find on Apple Music, Amazon Music, whatever the case may be. And you can use those to really create what your future life should be. So it asks you different questions like your future ideal self, your future ideal life. Where are you? Where do you live? What does the house look like? Take off your shoes and walk around the house. Look at the pictures of your family in the house. Open the closet door and see the clothes in your house. And so it goes through then all the areas of your life. You know, what are you doing for a career? It's time to go to work now. You know, you're doing all the things that you were meant to do. How does it feel? And the feeling part is really the key when you're manifesting because you want to feel the way that your future self would feel after it's accomplished all of these things and is in that existence, right? So if you are, for example, trying to sell your business. And so you're trying to get it to be at a super high price and you get that great high price, right? How do you feel when you make that sale? Do you feel so proud of this accomplishment? Do you feel so excited about where you're going? Like, are you going to go travel? Are you going to buy a little cabin in the woods and move there permanently? How does it make you feel? Are you relaxed? Are you energetic? You know, like really try to get into those feelings and that's what makes the big difference. That's what's really powerful when you add, when you combine manifestation with meditation. So there are a lot of components. I could talk about manifesting (laughs) all day because you also have the law of attraction. You have so many great examples of people who've succeeded and use those strategies. Sounds good. I like it. I have to do that now that the book is out. I'll have to, I'll have to manifest my, my new life. Yes, for sure. You do. All right. Let's switch to positive affirmations. And we touched on this just a little bit at the top of the the top of the show, but how do positive affirmations help a new manager and how do we keep from getting too woo-woo with them? Well, I think that affirmations work in a lot of different ways, right? Like affirming your team, affirming a good job, that sort of thing is obviously important. Talking to them about positive affirmations or creating positive affirmations around a team goal. For example, whenever I um, went in to work with Brazil, with our subsidiary of Brazil, it was at, it was under $10 million. 
and the annual revenue. And so it was in danger of being closed down because what's even the point for a major corporation to have a subsidiary of that size, right? So it was, it was the directive was you grow it or it closes. And so I was sent down there in my new marketing role in international to help build Brazil. And so we first set a goal for that year to, you know, grow just a little bit. So it was, you know, it was, what can we do this month? Right. And we would set whatever we had the we had the $15 million goal everywhere, right? Because that was like what we wanted to do for the rest of that year. That's what we thought we could make up, right? To get just a little bit of momentum while we were making the changes needed to get it where it really needed to go. So first we put that up because it was the end of that year. And then the next one, we put up 30 million. And I mean, we put it everywhere, right? With the team as a positive affirmation. And eventually within a year or two, we or two years, we grew to um, 100 million. So it was wildly successful to have the different affirmations, but I used to tell them things like, I know that these times are hard right now, but we are going to get there and we're going to be so big and we're going to be so successful that we are going to sit around over drinks laughing so hard saying, remember when we didn't even have, you know, a bathroom in our building because we were so poor, we had to like go up two flights of stairs to go to the bathroom. You know, like we were, working on trying to just get rid of inventory that before it expired, like remember when, when we were sitting in our new nice offices, which eventually we were and whatnot. And so it became a rally call. Remember when in the early days of, you know, and every time a victory would occur, one of us would email the other one and end the share the good news and end it with remember when. So I think that you can use affirmations in a way in a team setting where it's very business focused and not as you called it, woo woo. <laughs> Yeah, I just I want to be careful of that because because there's there's folks who enjoy the woo woo and and that's okay, and I'm just thinking about you know somebody who is is a, a new manager in a corporation they that may not land, and so right. I just I love how you kept your answer really business focused, and you know sort of in, imagining yourself sitting around over drinks laughing about having to walk up two flights of stairs to the bathroom that would be intolerable to me by the way I. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be a deal breaker. I'm sorry. I'm going to work someplace else. So that you worked with a bunch of tough people. So that's that's a really good practical application, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about change now. I, I I've got a chapter about change in the book, and change is everywhere. It's constant now more than ever. So what's a manager's role in leading change for their team, and how do they keep it positive? Because you know, and I know that too much change can be overwhelming and it gets to be a grind. It can beat you down. So how do you keep change positive as a manager? Well, I think the most important thing is that you lead by example. So you might get handed a change as a manager that you do not really want to implement yourself. <laughs> you know, let's just be honest here, right? You might be in charge of making a change that you don't think is a great idea. And that is so hard when that happens. But there is no way you will successfully lead that change if you don't get on board with it and find positive things about it. And if you can't talk positively to your team, they're never going to get on board. So it's really important to keep on that game face all the time. And when there are people with doubts, and they might be the same doubts you have, just to counter it with a different positive piece of it, because change is hard. And even when it's a positive change that everyone should be able to get on board with, it's not even all that much easier in my experience to implement that change, because they still go through all the resistance, right? 
So keeping them focused on the positive is so important. And I think appreciation and gratitude throughout the process for the things that they are doing, because, you know, it's, it's not easy. And sometimes you encounter resistance from other departments and you're leading the change. And even though it came down to you, they're, you know, looking at you and thinking, why are you doing this? And they're, you know, not being, they're being a little bit obstinate. And so it's hard for your team to go out there and do those things. So they have to feel like you are, you know, really truly leading the way by pointing out the positive reasons you're doing that. How do you avoid being too Pollyannish about it though? You know, I I could imagine a team getting a little weary of a manager who's always like, oh, this is great. This is great. No, it's not great. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're making us change. They're making us change the cover sheet on the TPS report. I liked the old one. Why are they doing this to us? So, how do you avoid overdoing it? Well, I think that's a really good point. I do think you have to acknowledge what they are saying and admit, you know, there are some things about this that maybe don't seem ideal as we're going into it. But look at these three things that it's going to do that are going to be amazing. It's going to, you know, speed up productivity. It's going to make us more organized. Whatever the case may be. Because it is a good point because somebody is going to be like, okay, you are full of it <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I've seen that happen where where you know folks have pushed back hard on a manager who was really positive about a change. Like, no, this is not great. So I think, you know, acknowledging that change is hard, acknowledging that this is rough, acknowledging that even good change takes energy. Everybody has their own threshold of dysfunction where they've had it up to here. You know, whether it's yeah. a new baby or a wedding or, you know, a change in procedure or a merger, it all takes energy. And there comes a point where people hit their threshold of dysfunction and that's it. Ah! And they, they freak. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You do have to keep it real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you said that. So let's talk about you now. Tell us about your coaching business and your roadmap and ebook. So my coaching business came from my own transformation in 2011. I left my corporate job. I was in an abusive marriage and I got out of that and I got sober in six months time and didn't really know what I was going to do with my life, just that it needed to change. And over time, I stumbled upon different strategies and different techniques that helped me make changes. And I, within two years of having left corporate America, which was the first decision in that series of changes, uh, had rebuilt my life, bought my business, was a successful entrepreneur, met the man that I ended up marrying. And then we've now blended a family and I got to do all of this while being sober, which was the best part. So I wanted to share, I want to share those strategies with anyone who will listen of how I did those things, how I rebuilt a life that is so amazing and is truly my best life. So I wrote the ebook that talks about a lot of those stories of how I came upon the strategy, how I got to where I am so that I can help other people. So that that ebook is available on my website. And we are actually giving your audience a reinvention roadmap, which is essentially a guided workbook that helps you figure out where you're in alignment today that is something that everybody will be able to get and download. That link will be in the show notes. But we also have the Reinvention Roadmap, which is also free. And that is a guided workbook that helps you figure out where you are today and where you want to go and helps you take those first steps. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm sure that folks will appreciate that. So that is good stuff. And as an aside, Finn is a fantastic editor. Don't worry, we'll fix it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) 
Let's learn a little more about you. You've you've got this this really eclectic background. You've you've done some really interesting things. You've led teams. You own a spa. Let's find out how you respond to the lightning round. And the first question in the lightning round is: If you could sit in my seat and interview anyone, anyone, living or dead, who would it be and why? Okay, so this is probably an unusual answer, but I would love to talk to Walt Disney. I would love to know how Walt Disney, because I love manifesting so much, right? I would love to know how he manifested something so amazing and different than anything anyone has ever seen, how he had that vision and how he made all of that happen. We're huge Disney fans in our family. So I don't know, but I always think about that. I'm like, this came from one guy's imagination. So I'd love to know more about that. Yeah. And to go from Steamboat Willie to, you know, where it was at when he died. That was a huge journey. Yeah. Yeah. From loving the steam trains to the craziness that it is now. Yeah. Well, I don't think he had this version of Disney World in mind. No. (laughs) Well, no, no. But I think that it's probably beyond his wildest dreams, but I bet that where Disney was when he passed was also beyond his wildest dreams. Yeah. So I'd love to know more about how he did that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay. That's the first time Walt Disney has come up with that. I'm sure it's kind of a funny answer, but it's true. Yeah, no, it's cool. All right. I think I know what you're going to say about this one, but what is your favorite vacation spot and why? Oh, okay. It's definitely the Caribbean and I am going there tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, where? Uh, Playa del Carmen outside of Cancun. So I am super excited about that. And I mean, no matter how many, I've been to six of seven continents, but no matter what, to me, the Caribbean is always the easiest, best, just most fun, beautiful place to go. Oh, I want it. I want a scuba dive in the Caribbean. Oh yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. The fish, the, all the different creatures, that beautiful, clear water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope you're at least snorkeling while you're there. For sure. For sure. And my husband will dive. So He'll tell me all about it. Excellent. Good, good. Come back and give me a trip report and see if you can convince me and my wife to to save her pennies and go. Yes, it's worth it. And it's not that expensive, which is one of the reasons I like it too. Yeah. All right. I will keep that in mind. Where would you most like to travel aside from Playa del Carmen? So my husband and I are actually saving for an African safari. So we are thinking Kenya because it is just such a beautiful landscape and has all of the animals that we want to see. Oh, I would love to take my kids to Kenya. That'd be amazing. Yeah, well, my cousin planning on kids. <laughs> Sorry. No kids for us. We're not going to take any no kids thing. with us. Okay. No, I would, I would do it for the kids. I would definitely drag them along. Come on, look, so let's see a tiger up front, up close. My cousin was a diplomat in Kenya and would send back the most amazing pictures. Like, oh yeah, we went for a safari today, you know, and just checked out some some stuff, and it's just, oh, just amazing. Yeah, a beautiful different world. Yeah, yeah, totally different in in every way. <laughs> My last question for you is: What brings you the most joy in your life? So, this is not the right answer, as what people would probably want you to answer, but. Honestly, I know it should be my kids and my family, but right now it's my kitten. We just got this little kitten. We got her at four weeks old. She's a tuxedo kitten and she has the best personality and she runs and plays and falls and does somersaults and she is bringing all the joy right now to this house, (laughs) if I'm completely honest. (laughs) 
Well, you know, I can relate because not long ago we adopted a cat. We adopted a one-year-old cat from the Humane Society. And uh, I'm not a cat person, but we get along. He's he's a cool guy. We hang out. So yeah, when I you get, get a good cat, when you get a good cat, it's a find. They're not yeah, all great, yeah. but when you get a good one, it's the best. Yeah, no, El, El Señor Javier is is pretty cool. So I like. Oh, him. I love that name. Yeah, that's what they call them at the shelter. So we just kept it. Oh, that's awesome! I love shelters. Yeah. Well, Christy, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. How can people find you? Bestlifemindset.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram also for Best Life Mindset. So find us, bestlifemindset.com. Bestlifemindset.com. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Pick up my new book, Lead Like a Pro, The Essential Guide for New Managers is available on Amazon and on my websites. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at GerardTrainingSolutions.com. 